The time is now 6 p.m. Welcome to WORT's local news for Wednesday, September the 27th, 2023. I'm your host, Robert McClure. And I'm your host, Gigi Royko Mauer. In tonight's news... Madison's Behavioral Crisis Response Team is expanding some of its services throughout Dane County. Health insurance open enrollment starts November 1st. But what should you start searching for the plan that fits your needs? Madison sees its first Art of Cheese Festival this weekend. The most in-depth weather report hits your airwaves. Yes, as much as you can stand. And we'll look back on President John F. Kennedy's visit to Madison in the 1960s. All these and more on tonight's news. Good evening, this is Rob McClure and Gigi Royko Maurer with your local news coming to you live from the WORT studios on Bedford Street in downtown Madison. Here are the headlines for this evening. Black drivers in Milwaukee are more than four times more likely to be stopped by police than white drivers. That's according to a report from the Crime and Justice Institute, which looked at police encounters in 2022. The report is the product of a settlement agreement of the Milwaukee Police Department's stop and frisk practices filed, by the t- filed at the time by the ACLU of Wisconsin. According to the data, just 225 over 31,000 police stops involve frisks, but black people were eight times higher to be frisked after a stop than white people. In other news from the Cream City, UW-Milwaukee researchers reported that drivers who hit pedestrians are, on average, older, of higher income, had higher automobile ownership, and white. The report also noted that 25% of the car pedestrian crashes were non-Milwaukeeans hitting Milwaukee residents. Less than 10% of car pedestrian crashes were of Milwaukee residents hitting non-residents. Former Republican Congressman and House Speaker Paul Ryan evinced a gloomy state of the nation in a speech at UW-Madison last night. The Journal Sentinel reported that Ryan said the political, that political action is dominated by cults of personality and policy choices are focused on nihilism. He attacked Donald Trump, saying the Republicans would lose if Trump is the nominee in the 2024 presidential election. He also went after a block of far-right politicians known as the Freedom Caucus, saying they make Republicans look like fools. Ryan, who is now a professor at the University of Notre Dame and founded a conservative nonprofit in 2019, appeared on the UW-Madison campus as part of a conversation series run by the La Follette School of Public Affairs. State lawmakers, with local representative Lisa Subek as the lead, are proposing that the state should address some of the major roadblocks that low-income people face when they want to join the workforce. The Wisconsin Examiner reports that Subek and Senator Jeff Smith of Eau Claire have introduced the Wisconsin Opportunity Act. Overall, the package proposes investments in housing, legal services, workforce development, transportation, and health care. Direct grants to homeless individuals and funding to replace lead pipes are some of the many proposals that are part of the package. Subek and Smith pitched the bills as a practical solution to the state's workforce shortage. Meanwhile, Dane County board members are considering reducing the fine for possession of drug paraphernalia. Under the proposal, the fine would go from the current $150 to $1. The change would make the law consistent with fines already in place in Madison. (coughs) Pardon me. 
The Cap Times reports that in 2022, 89 people were charged with the possession of drug paraphernalia. Of those, about half paid the full $150 tab. And just what constitutes drug paraphernalia? Wisconsin law defines it as any tool used to produce, prepare, test, or ingest a controlled substance. This might include a plastic straw or a spoon if they're used to prepare or take drugs. The law also covers more obvious items such as scales and pipes, but it does not include syringes. The County Public Protection and Judiciary Committee passed the measure with one dissenting vote and it will soon be considered by the full board. A rancorous legislative committee was held yesterday to the 11 Evers-appointed members of the UW Board of Regents. None of the regents, some appointed four years ago, have been confirmed by the legislature. Democratic Senator Calderoys of Madison told the Capitol Times that she believed the confirmations wouldn't be taken up. If a board member is confirmed, they can serve a seven-year term. But if they are not confirmed, a new governor can remove them and appoint an entirely new board. This strategy has been used in regard to appointments to other boards and commissions. Roy's charges that the Republican legislature's treatment of the appointees, combined with the funding cuts, intentionally creates a downward spiral for UW schools. Yesterday, Madison's Finance Committee approved the construction of an underpass for bikers and pedestrians below John Nolan Drive. One million dollars was designated for the design of the underpass, which would run under John Nolan from the intersection of Broom Street and North Shore Drive. The structure was not included in the massive redesign project for the uh, John Nolan Lakefront. The funding would be part of the city's $273 million capital budget. Other items passed by the committee include include adding $3.2 million to cover higher construction costs in the Village on the Park project and $1 million for a capital loan fund for nonprofits. The Cap Times reports that Group Health Cooperative, or GHC, is ending its complementary medicine program by the end of this year. It stopped insuring or reimbursing, reimbursing patients using complementary medical treatment last year. Complementary medicine includes treatments such as massage therapy, acupuncture, chiropractic, and craniosacral therapy. As a whole, it attempts to treat the mind and body as a single integrated entity. For many years, GHC marketed its use of complementary medicine to promote its insurance program and medical services. GHC said that less than 5% of its 79,000 members used any of its complementary medical services. As a result, the termination of the program, as a result of the termination of the program, 13 staff members will be laid off. GHC noted that the funds now used for complementary medicine will be used to increase its mental health services, which have had an increased demand. With the, resu- with the resumption of abortion services at Planned Parenthood clinics in Madison and Milwaukee, anti-choice protesters returned to picket clinics and exhort patients, as reported by the Journal Sentinel. In Madison, Vigil for Life has organized 40 days of continuous protest at the Planned Parenthood East location. That started today, though Vigil for Life has already had a presence there since abortion services resumed. Counter-protesters are planning to show up and support the clinic and its patients. And those were your local news headlines. We turn now to two special guests, Jade Isiri Ramos and Stu Levitan, in the studio who want to tell you a little something about WORT and our fall fundraising drive. 
Hey, Gigi, uh, it's your first week and you're doing great. I'm very impressed. What about that, Stu? You know, we start them off good. Yeah. I mean, Shally, Shally can, Shally <laughs> can, can pick volunteers and train well. Yeah, it works. And that's the great thing about being at WRTs is all the new blood that keeps coming in, fresh young voices, fresh young sets of ears who question things and, and speak up and, and like bring a whole new sense of, of, what this world can do. It's, yeah. it's a real thrill to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we already had someone who decided that they wanted to kick off the hour on a positive note, which we love that. So Honey G-Dog from Brooklyn, Wisconsin. Is that Honey G-Dog? Honey G-Dog, <laughs> yeah, is getting one of those um, green, apple green bistro mugs yeah. and um, likes all news and public affairs, global revolutions, and Pan-Africa. Great shows. Because we do have great merch. It's a great thank you gifts. We've got these really, really styling new shirts with the, uh, the glow-in-the-dark skull mm-hmm. and, and, and now in purple. Purple. purple long sleeve can't beat yeah. that with a stick and we've got uh you know we got the books we've got uh these mugs we've got uh, if you're a, a, a mindless minion we've got those mindless minion membership Absolutely. cards whatever that is and <laughs> who knows uh, you know and but most importantly we've got great listener sponsored community radio absolutely and that is what you pledge for and you've been doing it think about this jade I'm, I'm not I'm not going to ask when you were born, but I'm, I'm going to put my money on the table that W.O.R.T. is older than you and Lauren together. You oh, know? I don't think together, well, but we're getting close. We're getting yeah, close. yeah. Older than both of us. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. And and, you know, and that is a testament to you, the listener that I mean, because we don't you know, we get we get money from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And several years ago, we went to this new system of underwriters, which was controversial at the mm-hmm. time, but I think people understand it and accept it. And But like 75, 78% of the money that we got, that goes to run this radio station comes from you, the listener. We are, we are so, A, dependent on you, and B, thankful to you. Yeah. And, and you've been keeping us healthy and strong for 47 years, and, and we do thank you, and we want to keep going, and... We're hoping you'll stay along for the ride. Yeah, give us a call, 608-256-2001, or go online to wortfm.org and be one of those people who support uh, this radio station and essentially vote with your dollars that this is something that's really important to you. Now let's go back to the news. Madison's Alternative Police Response Program, which dispatches crisis workers and paramedics to certain nonviolent 911 calls instead of police, celebrated its second anniversary a few weeks ago. The program has steadily expanded its service area and staff over the past two years. But until now, it's been limited to calls within the city of Madison. But now the service is poised to expand into the rest of Dane County, local officials announced today. Our news producer, Faye Parks, was at today's press conference. Madison's Community Alternative Response Emergency Services Program, CARES, has announced another expansion, this time in collaboration with Dane County. Numerous city and county officials held a press conference this morning to outline their plans. According to County Executive Joe Parisi, At least half a dozen communities near Madison have expressed an interest in partnering with CARES to handle their mental health crisis calls. His upcoming budget proposal for the county suggests $200,000 in grant funding to make that happen in places like Sun Prairie and Middleton. Communities outside of Madison are invited to apply for a share of that grant money to eventually establish or expand their local alternative response programs as they see fit. But it's basically to help close that funding gap. You know, we have communities that 
that, that are able to, you know, maybe contribute a certain amount of money, but budgets are tight with everyone. So we want to help cost share to get them over the finish line so that we can expand this together. This expansion outside of Madison, as with past expansions, is essentially a pilot program. County Executive Parisi says that incremental growth is necessary to move forward in an informed manner. Slowly and deliberately, we want to grow CARES. And so we need a lot of data. When are the calls coming? How many calls are we able to handle? Additionally, County Executive Parisi is proposing $400,000 to hire four crisis counselors who would collaborate with CARES and other first responders and share their workload. Luis Bixler, the Director of Public Safety Communications for the county, says that the new counselors would streamline 911 dispatch and free up the lines for callers that likely don't need as much time on the phone. These type of specialty positions, the crisis counselors, will actually be able to dedicate more time to be able to assist the, uh, the caller um, and more importantly, potentially de-escalate uh, situations for callers, making it safer for if there does need to be a field response, making it safer for the caller, uh, their families, and for the uh, responding field units. Two years ago, County Executive Parisi proposed a $10 million triage crisis center in his budget. It would divert folks in need away from law enforcement and the emergency room. He says that this center is still in talks, as Dane County is coordinating with the state to determine what the center should look like and where it should be located. Assistant Fire Chief Chase Dedman says that CARES is unlikely to expand its hours of response until this crisis center is constructed. In the future, if there's a 24-7 mental health triage center um, that would allow us to take people somewhere at 2 in the morning to get really good help, that'll give us more incentive to, to open our hours up 24-7. Assistant Chief Stedman also says that, while an all-hours response would be ideal, they selected their current schedule based on past data that show most crisis calls are made between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Meanwhile, Madison and Dane County are making national headway in the program. In late August, they were selected as one of 14 communities to take part in a national initiative to study unarmed, alternative responses to 911 calls. Madison and Dane County is the only Wisconsin member of the program, run by Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. Other jurisdictions in the program include Alexandria, Virginia, Amherst, Massachusetts, L.A., California, Portland, Oregon, and Tucson, Arizona. In Tucson, officials kicked off their alternative response program 10 years ago. In the last 10 years, they've cut the need for in-person responses by nearly 80%. But Parisi says that CARES does not necessarily see a lowered in-person response rate as a long-term goal. We have a goal of getting people the appropriate care at the appropriate time. So if that's 15% get diverted or if it's 80% get diverted, we want to make sure that we have the resources for the people who need in-person contact to be able to get that in-person contact. Parisi's full county budget proposal is expected to be released on Monday. Once announced, it'll be taken up by the full county board, with a finalized budget slated for later this fall. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Faye Parks. It's open enrollment season, that time of the year when Wisconsin residents have the opportunity to enroll in a health insurance plan or make coverage changes. Experts strongly advise against making a last-minute decision when selecting a plan. Mike Moen of Wisconsin News Connection has the story. The fall season is here, meaning many Wisconsinites will soon make decisions about their health coverage. Experts say early preparation with trusted voices can help overcome any fears. The enrollment period starts November 1st for Wisconsin's health insurance marketplace tied to the Affordable Care Act. For employer-sponsored coverage, it's typically between September and December. And for Medicare, annual enrollment runs from October 15th through December 7th. 
Allison Epsiseth leads Covering Wisconsin, which has navigators who provide unbiased information for free on a lot of these topics. They also can calm nerves about assumptions that all insurance is too expensive. There are always new plans coming on the marketplace, especially Wisconsin has a really robust number of plans available. She also notes that 90% of people who turn to the marketplace for private coverage get financial assistance to help cover their premiums. If you currently have insurance, she said navigators can also help with errors such as being billed incorrectly for certain care. More information also can be found at wiscovered.com. Dr. Rhonda Randall with United Healthcare says comparing plans and taking time to learn the basic insurance vocabulary, like deductibles, co-pays, co-insurance, premiums, and more, are critical for understanding your benefits. We have a tool called Just Plain Clear. It's a glossary that you can find online. And for our Medicare Advantage members, a companion called Medicare Made Clear. And for people without employer-sponsored insurance, predicting income can be difficult for the year ahead. So if you're a seasonal worker or an independent contractor, make an effort to estimate your income based on this year's invoices or pay stubs and to use any help available to get you through the complicated process of choosing health coverage. This is Mike Moen for Wisconsin News Connection. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org. And the time is now 6.22, and you're listening to the live local news on community radio station, WORT. It's the start of our fall pledge drive, so we're going to turn the microphones back over to Jade and Stu and see if anyone else, any other pledges have come in besides Honey G-Dog. What's happening out there? Oh, you bet they have, Rob. You bet they have. We want to thank Deborah, who has become a... A monthly donor, an evergreen donor. It's no, so important. So cool. It is so cool. We appreciate Deborah's uh, generous support. Deborah likes, so, well, she likes everything, but her, her <laughs> the, the three shows that she cited uh, to Lou, who has taken her call, was Soul, Chess, Soul Sessions, Better Living Through Show Tunes, and BookBeat. Oh, my ah. gosh. I'm in love. <laughs> I'm in love. So thank you, Deborah. We, we really do appreciate that. You know, BookBeat, what a... I'm, I'm proud of that show. And as I say, you know, we had that Joyce Carol Oates interview just the other day, which I thought went pretty well. You should be proud of that show. I think, um, you know, from what I understand, it came of an idea that you had of wanting to talk to local authors or authors who are coming into town. And it has now grown into a collective, a collective of yeah. Yeah, um, a handful of you who are talking to these great authors inviting them into the studio sometimes or otherwise, you know, connecting with them and having really fantastic conversations. And that's the great thing about community radio station is you now, now admittedly there, there is a limit to how many hours there are in a day. It turns out that you can only broadcast for, but you know, someday we may go to that, you know, that all cable channel, you know, all, you know, online channel and have multiple programs. But you know, if you have an idea, you can, you know, pitch it. And it's like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And it's, you know, we have obviously some legacy voices, programmers mm-hmm. on the air, but we got new people coming in all the time. And, you know, to, to keep the sound fresh, to keep our awareness fresh, to keep our, to keep us fresh. And that's, that's another reason why we're so proud to be here and why we hope that you will join Deborah and... Uh, Honey G-Dog. Honey G-Dog. And, <laughs> and give us a call at 608-256-2001 or go online to wrtfm.org. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that is really important during the pledge drive to think about is who you are choosing to donate during, right? It is really important to say during the local news, I support this. I support the resources that WORT is spending on, um, you know, training new reporters and how does that impact my community, right? We're going to have fantastic reporters for generations because we continue to invest in people really early on in their careers. This journalism collaborative that we're working on now yeah. that we've already got funding for a humanities fellow to to be one of the guiders to it and we're going to recruit underrepresented journalists and it's going to be a tremendous boon not just to this radio station but to this entire community to have a new generation of journalists not just new voices but new ears to hear the things that someone like me may not hear and may not be able to understand and communicate to you, the listeners. And that's, you know, it's so exciting to see a new generation come along and, and show us what they can do. And, and we really, we appreciate all the young journalists who are coming along and we appreciate those of you who are helping fund these programs. Absolutely. And you can do so by giving us a call at 608-256-2001. You know, the other thing about giving early in the pledge drive is that you get to sit back and Chill. know. Yeah, you get to know that Chill. you already made your donation and you're a part of this community. I think that when I first started coming to WORT as a volunteer, I was like, oh, I I found community in Madison. And that was really um, important for me. But then also, as I became a listener donor, uh -huh. I realized that there was another way to become a part of this community, right, is to... The, the little amounts here and there that I can give to the station helps me be invested in the community in a, a deeper way than I was previously. You know, I still remember the first time I heard WORT. It yeah. Was, it was the summer of 1977. I was driving on John Nolan Drive. It was a Saturday about 630. I'm down at the low end of the dial. I hear this rock and roll. And then I hear this voice. I go, Okay, I'm where I need to be. <laughs> this is my. This is where I want to be. I want to be. I want to live in a city with a radio station like WORT. Was it Rock and John? It was Rock and John. Yeah. yeah it's like and <laughs> and you know. I mean, as, as Jade said earlier, WORT is one of the things that makes Madison Madison. There, mm -hmm. there are some iconic things about this community. And after 47 years, I'm not abashed to say that we are one of those iconic things and it is again thanks to you the listener who have helped us to do to still be here and be here strong and we hope you'll come through for us again because as i say we've got those legit bills the you know the new roof uh gutters and downspots and the windows recorders because recorders, you know newspaper reporters can go out with a pad and mm -hmm. a pen or maybe some of them are, I think are still using pencils, maybe even crayons in some instances. But we got tape recorders and microphones and headphones and stuff. And you know, you can't you can't get those on the five finger discount. You got to pay for, you, you got to pay, pay for, for those. Yeah. And that's where you come in. So please six zero eight two five six two thousand one W O R T F M dot O R G. We will stretch your dollar real far. I promise.
The time is now 6.32, and you're listening to the live local news on WORT 89.9 FM in Madison. I'm your host, Robert McClure, here with my co-host, Gigi Royko Maurer. Thanks for staying with us. Since 1910, Wisconsin has produced more cheese than any other state in the nation. Today, 25% of Wisconsin cheese production is artisanal. In celebration of Wisconsin's favorite fermented dairy product, Madison will see its first Art of Cheese Festival this weekend. On Monday's 8 o'clock buzz, host Brian Standing spoke with Rachel Kerr, a Dairy Farms of Wisconsin marketing director, to hear about the event. Welcome to the 8 o'clock buzz. Good morning. It is Art of Cheese Week. How has it taken so long for us to have an Art of Cheese Week and Festival in this state? Well, maybe because the artisan and specialty cheese culture has been cultivating for decades and, frankly, centuries in our state. We started making cheese in Wisconsin before we were even a state, so I think that says something about who we are. And the artisan cheese movement in particular really kind of started to blossom and grow only within the past several decades or so. There's kind of a neat history on how all of the kind of culture and immigrants of folks who came from, you know, overseas, settled here in Wisconsin, brought their cheese making traditions and kind of cultivated that along with this rich dairy land to create really incredible dairy and cheese industries. So the Art of Cheese Festival is all focused on kind of giving people a a new perspective on what comes out of the state. What do you attribute the uh, renewed interest in these specialty cheeses? I mean, for a long time, you know, Wisconsin produced a lot of sort of like dairy milk solids and, you know, things that went into craft uh, powdered cheese. But in the last couple of decades, there's been this growing interest and demand for things like bandaged cheddar or Roquefort or blue. How, how has that happened? You know, we certainly make a lot of cheese in Wisconsin. We still do. Um, The focus really is on quality, frankly, no matter what the type of cheese is. We have an incredible world-renowned research institute here at the UW, the Center for Dairy Research, that really generates a ton of research that helps advance the dairy industry. But beyond that, people have kind of renewed their interest in, like, where their food comes from and how it's made and the makers and the people that are handcrafting these products. And so as that kind of foodie culture has continued to develop, you know, around the country and around the world, that's really gone hand in hand with the demand for these artisan products. So tell us a little bit about what you have planned for the festival. You're starting on uh, Friday, September 29th, and you've got some, uh, like a journey through the heartland of Wisconsin. Are these, are some of these tours that people can join? Yes, the the festival itself is a series of events over the course of this weekend. starts on Friday the 29th, and we wrap on Sunday, October 1st. And there's over 20 different ticketed events that people can select from to give themselves a more immersive experience and learn about Wisconsin cheese. The most immersive experience that you can have on Friday, we have several excursions that really take you out of the city. They get you on the farm. They get you into the creameries to kind of learn from the people and the places that make Wisconsin cheese special. Uh, Saturday, you've got a cheese fair off the square. And this one, this event's free and open to the public. What do you have in store for folks there? Yeah, so the cheese fair off the square is the one public event taking place throughout the weekend. So it is open to cheese lovers of all ages, and it will obviously happen alongside the Dane County Farmers Market. We've got 15 additional Wisconsin cheese producers who are coming from around the state to sample and sell their products. So in addition to 
the friendly faces from folks like Hook's Cheese and Brunkow and other folks you find at the farmer's market on a normal Saturday, you'll have 15 other Wisconsin cheese companies to try their awesome products. So definitely plan to stop by, sample, maybe you'll find your next favorite cheese. We'll have some live music to just make it feel, you know, like a fun cheese festival. So we're really looking forward to people coming out and just experiencing some of these other smaller producers that you may never have, you know, heard of before. And the time is now 6.37, and you're listening to the live local news on WORT, a community-sponsored radio station. It is our fall pledge drive, so we'll uh, turn the mics back over to Combo A. What's, what's happening out there in terms of pledges? Well, it turns out that Gigi has a fan base already. We have uh, Team Gigi with a generous donation um, saying that their favorite shows are all news and public affairs, all jazz, and Pan-Africa. So... Gigi's got a fan base. <laughs> you can be like Team Gigi or Honey G-Dog or Deborah um, by either going online to wortfm.org or calling 608-256-2001. See, that's it. We're always breaking new talent here at WORTFM. Yeah. And, you know, because there's some voices that we've been here on this radio station for a fair number of, of years. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned Rock present, and John earlier. Present company included. Present company excluded, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, but we're also getting new voices. Yeah, absolutely. And because that's the great thing about being a volunteer station is you're, you're dependent on people in the community. You are of the community. We are you and you are us. And, you know, as John Paul George and Ringo would say, and we are all together. <laughs> and we've been doing it 47 years. We have been, Pretty yeah. impressive. And to keep this, to keep this, gig going to to keep the party rolling you know we're here reminding you how much WRT means to you we know how much it means to your news diet we know how much it means to your music and entertainment diet we know how much it means to your community diet and you don't want to starve yeah you want you want a nutritious well-balanced media diet we are we provide a hundred percent of all the essential media nutritional ingredients absolutely and I think the other thing about it is that you don't just want that diet for yourself but you want it for your community right and if you can donate right now think of it as donating for your neighbors who can't right by you putting you know fifty dollars here a hundred dollars there you're making sure that yourself and your neighbors around you have wort for years to come you know we understand that we have a broad range of economic status represented yep. in our listenership we we've got we've got college kids who, who don't got two nickels and we got people with trust funds and we've got people in between and if you're one of those people with trust funds <laughs> if you're one of those people with a retirement plan if you're one of those people with some disposable income yeah um you know make sure that we're here for the so that when those people who don't have the coin right now can listen to us for you know that enough time that they too can develop coin and then they can roll it over and and you know pay it forward and you can do that by as I say six zero eight two five six two thousand one wortfm dot org. You know, one year I ended up giving my own phone number, so I'm being very, very, <laughs> very careful, careful. To, to just give. And sometimes I give the union cab number too. Oh. You got it? No, just get a wort number. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I I know the wort number so good that I think if I'm ever in an emergency, that's mm-hmm. might be what I end up giving out uh, more more readily than my husband's. You, you're, you're allowed one call. Yeah, I'm gonna call Ward. You yeah, know, exactly. Because, because we'll cause, pick up. Because we'll pick up and we'll tell everybody about what's going on. Because did I mention we are a 
award-winning radio they station. Sure I mean, are. the news department. I mean, you know, all props to to the music folks. Mm-hmm. You know, Sybil and, and and her team. You know, just cleaning up at the uh, the Mamas every year. Yeah. We just got a lifetime achievement award. But the news department. You know, we go up against these well-financed professional radio stations, and we bring home. We bring it home. Yeah, man. we do. We bring home the certificates. We bring home the hardware. We bring home the gold. And, and you know, it's 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 really it's something to be proud of that this that this radio station can compete at that. You know, you, sh- you shouldn't do this to compete. You shouldn't do it for you know competition. But let's be honest, you like to win. Yeah, things. it's good radio. Six zero eight two five six two zero zero one, or go online to wortfm.org. We're going to go back to the weather and then Madison in the sixties. Hey, I can't wait to find out what happened. <laughs> It's time now for the most comprehensive weather report on the airwaves with WORT weather guru, Rob McClure. Well, as much as I had hoped that we might uh, see the cutoff low pressure circulation passing to our south these past couple of days disappear finally into Indiana by now, along with its rains, the storm uh, is having a particularly difficult time making headway to the south and east. Uh, That's in part due to a developing upper ridge down over the southeastern seaboard the past couple of days, in addition to upper ridging already blocking the storm's egress towards southern Canada or New England. So the surface circulation center has made it only down to about uh, Springfield, Illinois by now, with the mid-level circulation another 100 miles or so north from there, up around Joliet. And given that reality, westward sweeping bands of rain remained a hazard across southern Wisconsin pretty much right through the afternoon as moist air from the south continued to swirl northward and westward, converging and lifting as it pinwheeled in towards the center of those low pressure centers. Uh, The slower progress of the storm through our region did make for a rather warmer day than we were expecting back on Monday out ahead of it when we hit 76 degrees thanks to more prolonged sunshine earlier in the day. And of course the slow forward motion of the storm also produced additional rainfall than we would have otherwise seen so the storm's drought busting effects were enhanced. Uh, The National Drought Monitor publishes uh, on Thursday so uh, with the data in through about Tuesday. So we'll see tomorrow how much uh, relief local uh, agricultural interests received from this. Well, I uh, previewed on the Monday morning forecast uh, that we've got a multi-day warm-up out ahead of us thanks to a couple of factors, one being the already congested and slow-moving pattern that we've got in the upper air over the continent. That's going to slow down the amplifying upper ridge that we've got approaching us from the west and Uh, retard its passage eastward over the upper Midwest uh, with its warm air, just as it did with this past storm. Uh, Have a look at the water vapor image of North America that we have linked on the uh, WORT weather webpage this evening, and you'll see our uh, little leftward spinning cutoff low gradually edging bias to the southwest the past couple of days, as well as the much larger whirl that's now proceeding ashore over the Pacific Northwest, uh, again at a snail's pace. That latter feature is enthusiastically scooping air northeastward out ahead of it from the southern plains and desert southwest up and into an enormous upper ridge, which is now across central and eastern Canada. So although our slowly departing storm will be backing our winds briefly more northerly going into tomorrow, 
Rapidly dropping pressures out in the warm air out over the plains to our west will be veering those winds back uh, east and southeast again as we go into Friday. And southerly winds through the weekend are then likely to give us, I think, uh, probably four 80-degree high temperatures in a row, or at least uh, close to it. So that will put us up in the range of, uh, say, 13 or 15 degrees above normal as we start to get out into early October. Uh, Even after the coming uh, four or five days, it looks like we may stay above normal for another day or two out at the end of next week as the amplified and congested upper pattern over us finally begins to break down and allow the upper trough out behind the upper ridge to press over us. And uh, while it's a bit speculative to be looking out uh, quite that far in the future, out to the end of next week, the longer-range models uh, pretty much across the board are indicating that early-season Arctic air may finally begin loading into southern Canada around that time, uh, ready to make a push into here. So uh, while we haven't had anything so far even remotely approaching a frost or freeze, uh, at least preliminarily you might keep your eye on the end of next week if you've got tender plants to be concerned about. But back to uh, things closer at hand. Uh, Tonight, the skies should generally remain cloudy, though with, uh, I think, remaining sprinkles and showers working uh, southward down into Illinois. The radar is currently indicating that uh, most of the activity, as light as it still is, is uh, passed southwest of the area, generally speaking, down into Iowa and uh, Richland and Lafayette counties. Temperatures will drop back to the upper 50s on east-northeasterly winds at 7 to 12 miles per hour. Tomorrow, stratus and stratocumulus are going to dominate the early, earlier portions of the day, uh, though the deck up at about two or 3,000 feet shouldn't be terribly thick, so I think we'll see some breaking through the day, and especially as we get later in the day. Temperatures will respond uh, certainly to any sunshine that emerges, but we'll generally make it up into the uh, mid or upper 60s somewhere. On uh, North to northeast winds up at 3 to 7 miles per hour, veering more easterly then as we go overnight. Clouds should clear out uh, in the late day hours tomorrow and overnight with uh, temperatures uh, dropping back to the mid-50s. We may uh, see low clouds before uh, reform with uh, light winds during the overnight period, so that may sock in part of uh, Friday morning. But I think we should be able to mix out the stratus or stratocumulus by uh, later morning or midday, and that should allow temperatures to hit uh, the low 70s on Friday with the help of uh, veering southeast to south winds up at 5 to 10 miles per hour. We'll drop back to around 60 in the overnight with uh, steady, light, southerly winds. And Saturday, I think, will be mostly sunny with the temperature at least closing in on 80, if not reaching it, given uh, southerly winds up at uh, 7 to 12 miles per hour. We'll drop to the low 60s overnight and return to 80 on Sunday and probably Monday and Tuesday as well, the way it's looking. The temperature down here at the station on Bedford Street is currently 64 degrees. The dew point temperature is 60. Uh, Winds are on the east at 9 miles per hour. Uh, Kind of ragged, slightly broken low overcast up at about 3,000 feet over the station. And the barometer has been holding steady the past several hours. It's at 30.07 inches of mercury. We now go to October in 1963 and 1966, when two senators, Kennedy, came campaigning with very different results. Stu Levitan has the headlines and more on tonight's Madison in the 60s. They melt into a dream Man. 
Madison in the 60s, October, when Kennedy's came calling. Democratic presidential nominee Senator John F. Kennedy gets a rock star welcome on his only Madison campaign appearance, the third of four stops on a whirlwind day in Wisconsin. A cheering crowd of several thousand greets him at Municipal Airport, where he boards an open Pontiac Bonneville convertible for a triumphant 70-car caravan into town. Hundreds of cars line Highway 51 and East Washington Avenue to wave to the motorcade, and another throng of 2,000 pack the square as JFK pulls up at the Lorraine Hotel, where hundreds more block the entrance and jam the lobby. After a brief rest and a light lunch, Kennedy makes it to the field house, where he is again mobbed on his arrival. They're practically hanging from the rafters inside, more than 12,000 people. And when Congressman Bob Kastemeyer finally introduces Kennedy, the foot-stomping crowd goes wild, yelling its approval. Kennedy responds with a slashing half-hour attack on Republican nominee Vice President Richard Nixon. The frenzy intensified when Kennedy finishes, as hundreds of students clamor over the press tables down front to get to the candidate, delaying his departure for several minutes. The tumult is almost tragic. As Kennedy's limousine finally pulls away, it runs over a young woman's foot, thankfully without serious damage. Six years and four days later, October 27, 1966, another Senator Kennedy comes to campus to campaign, the late president's youngest brother, Senator Edward Kennedy, to support Lieutenant Governor Pat Lucy's race for governor. But Edward Kennedy's stock pavilion appearance for longtime family friend and supporter isn't as successful because the Committee to End the War in Vietnam, the CEWV, had vowed not to let any federal official speak on campus in any capacity. The campaign managed to get members on stage behind Kennedy, their anti-war chants picked up by his microphone, their placards in his photographs. More members are out among the capacity crowd of about 4,000. Given a standing ovation as he rises to speak, Kennedy is immediately interrupted with catcalls and shouts of, Talk about the war! Unable to continue, Kennedy finally invites CEWV Chair Robin David to the podium. David speaks for nearly 10 minutes, reiterating the Socialist Workers' Party slogan, Bring the Troops Home Now. But he's unprepared to debate a United States senator and obviously outmatched by the charismatic Kennedy. Aware that Kennedy is winning the room, CEWV leaders quickly decide to disrupt his speech with continued heckling, which spreads. Down front, Leah Zeldin starts in with some of the loudest and most urgent shouts of the afternoon. I have four sons, she cries out, and I don't want them to die in Asia. A student tries to silence her with a coat over her head, but she throws it off and keeps it up for nearly 30 minutes until Kennedy gives up unable to finish his remarks on behalf of the liberal pro-student Lucy. Ah, certainly a spirited occasion, Kennedy says later as he flies to lacrosse for a more orderly appearance. Reaction is swift and unanimous in condemning the action, which UW President Fred Harvey Harrington and the Daily Cardinal both call disgraceful. Over 8,000 students sign an apology. State Senator Fred Risser warns, correctly, that conservatives controlling state government will cite this incident in pushing to cut the university's budget. Although CEWV does not direct the widespread heckling after Kennedy dismissed David, the group initiated the overall action and so gets the blame. 
The Wisconsin Student Association puts the CEWV on probation for its role in the protest. Many regions wish the discipline had been more serious. But WSA Senator Paul Soglin thinks there should not have been any discipline at all. The faculty's Student Conduct and Appeals Committee holds a special Saturday session and declares that deliberately interfering with a university-sanctioned speech, quote, may constitute grounds for university disciplinary action, not excluding the possibility in flagrant or repeated cases of suspension or expulsion. The next day, the university committee holds a special session and votes to create new policies and procedures to protect the rights to speak and to hear. In December, the faculty overwhelmingly adopts a new rule forbidding obstruction, section 11.02 of the university rules and regulations, with no ambiguity about its cause. Political science professor David Fellman lays it out straight, quote, this may be called the Ted Kennedy section. The resolution adopting the rule, immediately binding on the Madison campus, states that those attending a program sponsored by a campus group, quote, have the duty not to obstruct it, and the university has the obligation to protect the right to listen and participate. Exactly what those terms mean, Feldman says, will be up to the Dean of Students and the Student Life and Interest Committee. Fifty weeks later, on October 18, 1967, it is to enforce the Kennedy Rule that Chancellor William Sewell will call on the Madison Police Department to clear the Commerce Building, drawing first blood in the Battle of Dow. And that's this week's Madison in the 60s. For your award-winning, listener-sponsored WORT News Team, I'm Stu Levitan. It is now 6.54 p.m., and you're listening to Handcrafted Local News on WORT. Thanks for staying tuned to the localist news around. Our guests tonight, Jade and Stu, have one last word, and hopefully have some more people to thank. How's it going, Jade and Stu? Well, thanks for checking in, Gigi, but we're at the same same level as we yeah, were last yeah. time. Yeah, the bird is the word. Um, <laughs> you know, this this radio station... This news department, this news and public affairs department, is such a great thing to be a part of. Yeah. Um, we've we've got the morning buzz. We've got a public affair that, that Jade is responsible mm-hmm. for. We've got Madison Bookbeat. We've got you know letters and politics on those days that Madison Bookbeat isn't on. We've got Amy Goodman Democracy Now. We've got the live local news four nights a week. And just think about it. We do an hour of news, an hour of local news, yep. four nights a week. We've got more local news on this radio station than all the com- all the commercial radio stations combined. Easy, you know, and it's it's news that is independent. It's unbossed. It's unbought. We got no corporate sponsors. We got to make happy. We don't have anybody sitting in Texas reading Arbitron ratings. Mm-hmm. We've just got you, the listener, and you, the listener sponsor, and. Friends, that's the way I like it. Yeah, me too. And, you know, we're we're listening to you, right? WORT is a place that if you have a news tip for us, we'll go chase it. We're always listening. We, we're a part of your community. And, and you know, we're just, <laughs> we're just here trying to make a great show. And, and that's what we do night after night after night. 
Um, and you can support that by going online to wortfm.org. If you get it in before 7 o'clock, it counts for the show. Or call us, 608-256-2001. I want to make sure I thank the people who, who showed up today. Um, Bill and Lou have been out there answering the phones. And we had a really delicious dinner provided by Ian's Pizza. Um, so big shout out to, to those people who have make it, made it happen. I know Adrian is here working late um, to answer the phones if anyone calls as well. So, you know, a big team behind here making sure that this happens. And you can be a part of it by calling us or going online. I mean, think about it. We've got you know, seven full-time staff and you know a handful of yeah. part-time staff and 300 volunteers. So many volunteers. Think about that. 300 or so volunteers who make it their business to give of their time and their energy to keep this radio station vibrant and to keep it exciting and to keep it moving forward and so that it represents you, the community. You know, you will not see the kind of diversity and... Uh, on, on all levels at this radio station, at other stations that you'll find here. And that's, that's you know, I've mentioned a couple times this journalism collaborative that we're putting together and will be operational in, uh, in 2024. It's a really exciting initiative, and we are going to make you proud. You're going to yeah. say, oh, my goodness, look at what WRT has done to bring new voices and n- new ears into the media landscape and and you're going to be a part of it because you're, you're going to have donated, it. donated. Yeah. yeah, you're going to be part of the listener sponsors that made sure that we had the recorders we needed, um, and that we were able to secure the funding that we need. Right? Sometimes your money helps us go get more money. That, that's just how how it works. Um, so six zero eight two five six two zero zero one, or go online to wortf. It's about time for me to ask the eternal question: If not you, who? Yeah. And if not now, when? So do it, you, now. Go to your phone, <laughs> 608-256-2001. And uh, thanks for, for spending the past couple hours with us. Thank you, Jade. Thank you, Lauren. Yeah. And that just about does it for us. Thanks for listening to WORT's live local news at 6. To keep this independent, volunteer-produced news on the air and free from commercial influence, please do call 608-256-2001. You can also donate to us at wortfm.org forward slash donate. Thanks for supporting our independent local news. Our headline writer this evening was David Aaron. Special thanks to our feature contributors, Brian Standing and Stu Levitan. Our engineer, Lauren Hicks, moved the little sliders and got us on the air. Faye Parks produced this newscast, and Charlie Pittman is the news director at WORT. I'm your host, Robert McClure. And I'm your host, Gigi Reiko-Mauer. Thank you to all of you who called in your pledge support this hour. You make it happen. Up next is Query. Good night.